This is the radio broadcast of Shear Jeshub, which in Hebrew means, A Remnant Shall Return. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, welcoming you to this Bible study on Heavenly Authority, brought to you by our church group, Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut. My husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, is currently in Chapter 8 of the Book of Judges in the section on Gideon and the proper response of those anointed with heavenly authority. Let's pick up the Sunday message where we left off in our last program. Self-rule requires, it necessitates, that each individual allow God to rule his or her life for it to be successful. And that's true for a nation, and it's true for a church body. Now let's look at the snare. Gideon has said something wonderful here. He's put aside being made king. He's put aside power for his family. But Gideon is human, and he makes a mistake here. In verse 24, Then Gideon said to them, I would like to make a request of you, that each of you would give me the earrings from his plunder. For they had gold earrings because they were Ishmaelites from Ishmael. Now what do they mean there? They're not talking about the Israelites being Ishmaelites. They're speaking about the Midianites whom they've captured, whom they've plundered, being Ishmaelites. And we know that from Genesis chapter 37 in the account of when the brothers of Joseph take him out of the well and hand him over to the traders. In verse 28 it said, The Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. So the Midianites, those that dwelled in Midian, came, or at least part of their population, came off of Ishmael, the son of Abraham. And I guess it was their custom. Everyone knew that an Ishmaelite wore earrings, had golden earrings. We'll see from the amount that's collected, these Midianites were quite wealthy. And the request that Gideon makes is, could you give me from all the plunder the earrings? Just give me the earrings. And it sounds like a reasonable request. After all he's done, he's looking just for the earrings from the plunder. Verse 25, So they answered, We will gladly give them. And they spread out a garment, And each man threw into it the earrings from his plunder. Now the weight of gold earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold. That's about 43 pounds. Besides the crescent ornaments, pendants, and purple robes which were on the kings of Midian. And besides the chains that were around their camels' necks. So these Midianites guard themselves with a lot of jewelry. Then Gideon made it into an ephod and set it up in his city, Ophrah. And all Israel played the harlot with it there. It became a snare to Gideon and to his house. And thus Midian was subdued before the children of Israel so that they lifted their heads no more. And the country was quiet for 40 years in the days of Gideon. So they have 40 years of peace. An ephod. He makes it into an ephod. Now when you say an ephod, this vest, 
this well-adorned, beautiful vest, our minds go to what? The ephod that the high priest would wear at the tabernacle, the one that God directed to be made. So it's an unusual thing that he would make it into such because it would seem as though it was supplanting somehow the authority at Shiloh, at the tabernacle of meeting. And you wonder sometimes if a person knows what's right. And they say what's right, as Gideon did. He's anointed, he knows what's right, and he will not rule. And yet, they get affected by the public opinion. I think that happens to a lot of ministers. They know they should not take upon themselves the personality attraction that they become to the people. And yet, they just can't help it. And maybe subconsciously, Gideon doesn't recognize. Maybe he figures, look, this will be a memorial and it'll commemorate. It'll be a memorial to the victory that God won over the Midianites. Maybe he thinks it's a good thing to make the ephod. And maybe subconsciously part of him would have liked to be made king, though he knows better. Maybe subconsciously part of him would like to supplant a little of the authority over at the tabernacle in Shiloh. And he has his own beautiful ephod there, in his hometown, the same hometown where the angel of the Lord and Ophrah appeared to him and said, Mighty man of valor, that God would deliver the Midianites into his hand. It's not good. He takes some reward for himself, and that reward becomes an idol. It becomes a false symbol of worship. And what does it say? It says, Israel played the harlot with it there, and it became a snare became a problem to Gideon's house. Humans love objects to worship. Objects can be good as a memorial. Remember those 12 stones they piled up by the Jordan to remember what God had done, how they crossed through the Jordan River? Objects can be good as a remembrance, but all too often people love to bow down to objects. They love to worship objects. Anything except worshiping the one true God. People like charms. They like talismans. And sometimes in Christianity, their own versions of charms or idols are set up, and they can have maybe a good foundation. Like this ephod could have a good foundation remembering the Midianites. And yet it's not good because people will worship it. They'll bow down before it. They play the harlot. It becomes a snare. In Psalm 106 speaks about when they come into the land of Canaan. In verse 34, it says, They did not destroy the peoples concerning whom the Lord had commanded them, but they mingled with the Gentiles and learned their works. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons and shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and their daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. Someone could say, well, what's so bad to have some idolatry? Well, you're speaking about religion, a belief system. And behind the belief system of the Lord God is love. Behind the belief system of idolatry is evil. And in the end result, they would wind up doing the things the Canaanites did, and ultimately they would do the same horrific things of even killing their children. 
because of sin. And the land was polluted with blood. Verse 39, Thus they were defiled by their own works, and they played the harlot by their deeds. Here, Israel plays the harlot. She's supposed to be a faithful wife as a nation unto God, and she becomes a harlot. She becomes an adulteress. She goes after false gods. And this ephod, this stupid vest made from gold earrings of the enemy, becomes a snare to Israel and a snare to Gideon. When people have a wrong attitude, when their minds are dull to the things of God, everything becomes twisted. Everything becomes polluted. And they do stupid things that destroy their families. After all that Gideon did, he does this stupid thing and destroys their nation. It goes on to tell us how Jerobaal, Gideon, the son of Joash, went and dwelt in his own home. He has 70 sons, verse 30, who were his own offspring. He said, wow, how did his wife have 70 children? Well, it tells us, for he had many wives. And his concubine, who was in Shechem, another city, also bore him a son whose name he called Abimelech. Abimelech, like the ancient pagan kings at the time of Abraham and Isaac. He names him Abimelech. And you can see that Gideon is becoming part of his sinful generation. In that day, polygamy, having concubines, nothing was thought about it. In the beginning, God created Adam, and he made for him one wife. That was the way it was supposed to be. But these people are a long way from the ark. Remember the polygamous people during the time of Noah? And how Noah was a man with one wife? And each of his three sons have one wife. They've come a long way from that ark. And they're back into polygamy. The marriage relationship is not thought about. And they have concubines. And Gideon, a product of his generation, goes right along. He has 70 sons, many wives, a concubine. He has this one concubine in Shechem. And he has this son named Abimelech. And it says in verse 32 that Gideon, the son of Joash, died at a good old age. He's buried in the tomb of his father. And it says in verse 33, So it was as soon as Gideon was dead, no sooner did he die, the 40 years he was alive, there's peace. They play the harlot, Israel, the children of Israel, again play the harlot with the Baals, the gods of the Canaanites, and made Baal Birith their god, another Baal, another demon their god. And thus the children of Israel did not remember the Lord their God who had delivered them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. Nor did they show kindness to the house of Gideon, Jerobaal, in accordance with the good he had done for Israel. They're not going to show kindness. It's going to affect his house also. What happens is, in chapter 9, that Abimelech, the son of Gideon, goes to Shechem to his mother's brothers his mother who's a concubine. And with all the family of the house of his mother's father there, he says, please speak in the hearing of all the men of Shechem. Go talk to the men of this powerful city of Shechem. Which is better for you, that all 70 of the sons of Jerobaal, Gideon, reign over you, or that one reign over you? And remember, I'm your own flesh and bone. So 
he's anticipating, though, Gideon has said, I will not rule over you, my son will not rule over you, my grandson will not rule over you, that there's going to be 70 leaders, so he thinks. And he says to the men of Shechem, look, I'm your flesh and blood. My mother is one of you. And you see how family relationships, and we see this throughout the history, right? All the, the family dynasties, the kingships, how they're handed down, father to son, and they take these families, you see it over in England, and you know the whole population is focused on this one family. Well, it happens here. This is human nature, to look for that ruling family. Sometimes in this country we've done it with different political families, to have a ruling family over us. Well, he goes to the people of the city and he uses his blood lineage to them to say, look, you don't want the other 70 sons of Gideon ruling over you. Let me rule over you. Go talk to the people of Shechem. And his mother's brothers go and they speak. And the men of Shechem, their hearts are inclined towards Abimelech because they say he's our brother. They give him 70 shekels of silver from the temple of Baal Bereth, this new God they're worshiping. So he gets money from the idol's temple. And it says in verse 4 that Abimelech hired worthless and reckless men and they followed him. You have to be careful who you give power to, who you long to have ruling over you, because when they have money in position, they can bring in worthless and reckless men. If you would like to write to us or feel led of the Lord to help support our church's outreach, our address is Sheer Jashub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut 06405. And if you will be in the Madison, Connecticut area, Sheer Jashub Christian Tabernacle's Sunday service is at 10 a.m. at the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Join us next time for Sheer Jashub.